0: Pastor Chris's podcast. So today we are continuing in our series on Ruth. We've heard the glorious, beautiful Christmas story, the birth of Christ. But we know as, as you think of the birth of a child, we, we were all born and we, we are part of an unbroken chain that has gone back for generations and generations and generations of those who came before us. And the same was true for Jesus Christ. In Matthew, the first chapter, a chapter that we often skip over there, is the genealogy of Jesus, where it lists out 40 generations of his male descendants. And in that list of 40 male descendants, there are only five women that are listed. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. And you wonder why did... Uh, they only list five women. Well, it was a, a male-dominated society, and they often overlooked women. But even with that kind of an attitude, there were these five women that were included in Jesus' genealogy. And today, we're going to look at Ruth, the redeemed refugee. Now, the book of Ruth is only four chapters long, and I contemplated on whether just to read the the story to you. It's a great story, but. Uh, Because uh, of time, we're not going to read all the way through the entire story today, but I will read some of it and make some comments along the way. And I encourage you to go home and read the full story for yourself. You can read the entire book of Ruth in 16 minutes. So uh, don't miss out on that opportunity. There's some great stuff in there. But I'll begin in the first chapter and go through and make some comments as we go. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 and following. In the days when the judges ruled There was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Melon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. I want to just point out here that there was a famine that was so bad in Israel that this family felt they had to leave their hometown. Now, you think of your own life. How hungry would you have to be? How much of a famine would there need to be that you would leave the United States and go somewhere else looking for food? Leave behind everything you knew and loved to find food because you were so hungry. That's what they were dealing with. But then in verse 3, it says, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left with two or two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and one, the other Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Now remember that this is a male-dominated patriarchal society. Women have no way to make it on their own. Um, We've learned about some of the only ways that women could make it. Last week, we talked about Rahab. She was a prostitute because that was really the only way that a a woman could make a living on her own. Otherwise, it would have to beg and borrow or be destitute. And so here we are. Naomi and her daughters-in-laws are destitute. They have no husbands, no sons to take care of them verse 6, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left that place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant each of you that each of you would find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return to your home, my daughters. Why would you come after me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old and have another. And I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And this, at this, they wept aloud again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And where There I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And what we see here is amazing, and I don't want you to miss it. What we have here is a decision by Ruth, a foreigner who did not worship God, but she has now decided to follow God. Both Orpa and Ruth were Moabites. Moabites did not worship the God of the Bible. Moabites worshiped idols and false gods. But Ruth and Orpa both saw something special in Naomi's family. Naomi's family worshiped the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Orpa and Ruth must have saw something special in this family. There's always something special about the people of God, the people who worship the one true God. And it was so special that both Orpah and Ruth wanted to leave their own people, leave their ways behind, leave their false gods behind in Moab. And they wanted to convert to Naomi's people and to the religion of Israel. Now, very often a person's decision to follow God is closely linked to the people of God. The people of God that they have known. We don't see God. He's invisible. But we see the people who follow him or who say they follow him. And we see how they live and how they act and how they love or how they don't. And this is what we base our decisions on many times. Most people don't care that much about whether a Christian can quote the Bible or whether they can explain theology and the doctrines of Christianity. What they do care about is how we live. Does our life embody the Christian faith so, uh, that, so that people want to join with us in following the God we say we serve? Is your life a witness for Christ as Naomi's was? If Ruth were your daughter-in-law, would she want to come after you, follow you because you follow God? But Naomi explains how hard it will be to follow her home to Israel. It's not going to be easy. Uh, this is a place where she's not going to be able to just go down to a store and get a job and make a living for herself. She has no husband to take care of her, no sons to take care of her. And there's really no way for a, a woman in that society to make a living, to get by. It's going to be shameful. It's going to be they're going to be vulnerable. They're going to be hungry. And she lists all of this out. She wants them to know this is not an easy life that they are saying they want to follow. You know, living as God's people is not always easy for us. Uh, there, there is the hope of eternal life and there's the promise that God will be with us. But that doesn't mean that every day is going to be easy. Oftentimes, following Jesus means that it, life is going to be hard. Jesus told us that it would be hard. He would say that some people will reject you because you follow me. One guy said he wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus told him, "Boxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so when Orpah hears this difficulties that are ahead, she decides that the cost is too high and she decides that, well, I guess it would be better to go back to Moab. But Ruth is determined. She has found Naomi, Naomi's family. She has found a life with them that is better than her former life in Moab. We don't know what her former life was like, but we know that she looked at the hardships that were ahead of her and the relationship she had with Naomi, and she would rather have that than whatever was waiting back for her in Moab. She would rather face hardship with God's people than remain in Moab. Apart from the one she loved and her God. So the two women, Ruth and Naomi, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Now I want to fast forward here um, and just tell you what happened for the sake of time. The ancient Israelites had a, a form of social welfare. Um, people, when they harvested their grain, they didn't harvest all of the grain. They didn't go all the way in the corners and they didn't go all the way to the edges of the fields. They would leave that unharvested. And that way the, the widows and the poor and the orphans could come and could glean food from the field. And it wasn't a lot, but maybe it was enough to keep you from starving. And of course, you can know that the, the men were out there working in the fields and men are not always honorable As uh, these widows and these orphans would come and harvest. They were at the mercy of those workers that were out there in the field. But at least maybe they could get enough food not to die. But as they're out there in the field harvesting. Ruth is out there harvesting food. The owner of the field was a man named Boaz. And Boaz told his workers to treat her fairly. And he told her to come up and, and glean and, and to know that she would be safe there if she needed something to drink to go get something to drink. He even told his workers to offer her extra food as they harvest, to accidentally drop extra food from their bundles so that she would have enough to eat. And so it turns out that Boaz was what is called the guardian redeemer or the family redeemer for Naomi's family. If a woman was widowed and had no one to take care of her, her closest male relative would be the one that would take care of her. So it turns out that Boaz is the one who has the responsibility for taking care of Naomi. And so Naomi tells Ruth to go and to talk to Boaz and explain the situation. And then, of course, Boaz has a decision to make. Will he redeem Ruth, or will he ignore his responsibility? And the scripture tells us that Boaz decided to redeem Ruth. Boaz had the power to redeem Ruth and Naomi, to save them from a life of hunger and poverty and shame and death. He had the power to save their family name so that their name would not pass away from God's people. But it would also be costly because taking on two extra mouths to feed and whatever descendants they might have can be expensive, especially living in a land where we've already heard a famine could come at any time. But Boaz counted the cost and he decided to save Naomi and Ruth. Jesus Christ is the great redeemer of all humanity. He redeems us from spiritual hunger, from poverty, from spiritual shame and spiritual death. His redemption assures us that our names will remain among God's people. But our redemption comes at a great cost to Christ. For it cost him his life on the cross at Calvary. Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 to 22. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout all Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your, age, in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And David is the one we know as the great king of Israel. David was a model for the coming Messiah, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The Messiah is Jesus Christ, who is the great, 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 great grandson of Ruth, the redeemed refugee from a foreign land. Isn't it good to know that our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer didn't overlook Someone like Ruth, who was a foreigner, who was someone that was easily overlooked and forgotten about. But God cares about her. Not only did He redeem her and save her from her situation, He included her in the line of the Son of God, the Messiah of the world. And that God, that Jesus Christ, is willing to pay the ultimate price to redeem us from our sin. <laughs> Jesus laid down his life on the cross to pay the price for our sin. If he's willing to do all of that, isn't he willing to redeem whatever other brokenness or shame or misfortune you might face? I know many of you are suffering. Maybe you're suffering from grief. or You're suffering from an illness. Or you're suffering from financial hardship or some other problem. Maybe you're worrying about your children or you're worrying about your parents. Jesus can redeem your situation just as he did Ruth's. But you have to trust him. Do you trust him? Will you put all your faith in him? Will you be like Orpah who counted the cost and then decided it was better to go back to her false god's and unfaithfulness or will you be like ruth who counted the cost and said in ruth 1 verse 16 where you go i go where you stay i will stay your people will be my people and your god will be my god the choice is yours